Hey, welcome. This is your host, Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. What I would like to talk about today is the connection between our parental wounds and our divinity. And it is about seeing these parental wounds as essentially an initiation. And this topic comes to mind to me because it is kind of obvious in the work that I do um, and the work that I've explored with myself and in the relationship with my own parental wounds. But recently I did a workshop uh, focused on the father-daughter wound. And in the conversation, I only focused on the personal. And most people, when it comes to the parental wounds, don't really have the insight to understand that this wound takes place on many different levels. And there is the personal, there is the ancestral, there is the cultural, there is the collective, and then there is the spiritual. So mother wound or father wound, each of these layers are present within that wound. And you can dive into the work at whatever layer is most present for you. Um, so I like to focus on the personal with people because the personal is what needs the most attention. Even though each of the other layers are interconnected, when we start to expand out and try to get into these other layers, like the collective or the spiritual, oftentimes we view them through a distorted lens because the personal layer is not stable enough. So I make sure with the work that I'm doing with myself and others that the personal is stable enough so that what is viewed in the collective or the spiritual or the ancestral or the cultural is not distorted. So unless we work with the personal, what we see in these other layers or tiers of what I would call intimacy, because it's into me that I'm seeing, unless we work with the personal, unless we establish and maintain a sense of, uh, or create a new baseline of safety there, then everything that we're gonna see in these other tiers or spheres is going to be distorted, right? So, we have to work with what is most dominant, what is most obvious, and what is most present. And that is going to be the personal. That is going to be the tangible. That is going to be the physical. So I share that to say today I want to kind of talk a little bit more about this spiritual. And I've spoken about it on a couple of episodes uh, but I want to kind of highlight that this is an initiation into our own divinity. How is that so? And ways where we can actually start to step into what I'm talking about with understanding that it is an initiation into your divinity, like ways where we can start to be more present for that process. Um, some insights that you can take away that I feel like will actually really support you in reclaiming and recognizing your own divinity. Um, because I think that is the essence or the purpose of the initiation itself. Um, so I'm just going to just jump right into it. So when we think about the father and the mother wound, uh, these parental wounds, these are wounds that take place, uh, emotional injuries that transpire within the relationship with our caregivers or guardians. And this can be a biological or earthly parent, or this can be 
a, a stepdad or a stepmom or uh, a grandmother that kind of embodied that role or a grandfather that kind of stepped in or an aunt or uncle. So it doesn't really, it's not really limited to earthly guardians. Whoever maintained and stepped into that role is where this injury is really going to uh, be most obvious. And in that, we want to see the initiation that's taking place. We want to just take a moment to pause and to think of ourselves as some kind of divine orchestrator of our life. And if there was something that we were trying to get ourselves to see through the orchestration of these wounds, what would that be? If in a world, I orchestrate all of my experiences, I design them and I curate them for the purpose of my own awakening, why would I have created the experiences that I have with my father or my mother? What would be the purpose of that? What would that serve? What would I try to get myself to see? What would, what, what would I be trying to get myself to see? And from my own experience and having the privilege of walking others through this process, what I've recognized is that we're attempting to help ourselves recognize the divinity within our humanity and the humanity within our divinity. And so oftentimes these are seen as paradoxes or contrasts to one another. That my humanity in some way impedes my relationship with the divine. It is somehow in my way, right? My ego structure, my suffering, my desires, my attachments, my earthly attachments. I, on some level, have conceived that these are the blocks. These are the things impeding me from truly connecting to the divine. And so in many different schools of thought, this is a this is turned into a teaching. This is actually turned into a way of living that allows people to connect closer to the divine. So this is sometimes referred to as asceticism. And these are people that literally just remove themselves from all earthly attachment. Uh, individuals that stay within caves for the remainder of their life and connect to the divine uh, and place all of their attention and focus on connecting to the divine. Um, we can see this in uh, monks. We can see this in um, nuns. We can see this in certain certain yogis, right? Where and wandering uh, mystics or Sufis. And there's this sense of removing ourselves from the modern day world. Uh, detaching ourselves from our earthly experiences, uh, from the mundane completely. And in doing so, we are essentially creating a bridge to the divine. But what is seen as the block towards that is all things human in a way, all things that make up the human experience. Uh, and that's why there's this heavy, heavy uh, negative connotation around the word attachment, right? And so sometimes these teachings emphasize detachment, right? And so what I've come to learn in my own experience is that detachment does not mean to participate less, does not mean to love less, does not mean to distance myself, to detach means to be more fully involved than ever. Because it means that what I have detached from 
is my expectations. What I have detached from is the stories that I've created that keep me tied to a specific outcome. That is what I've detached from. And when I've detached from that, I'm more fully present. I'm deeply engaged with that which I'm involved in. If that is a relationship, if that is my work, if that is my service, if that is meditation, whatever the experience is, I'm more fully engaged in it than ever. Because what I have detached from is not the event, is not the person, is not the relationship, nor is it the, the aspect of my humanity. It is the story that I created out of that experience, out of a past experience, maybe, maybe out of a future event that I anticipate. That is what I'm detaching from because that is the only thing that is actually impeding me from being more present with whatever it is that I'm engaged in. So I share that to say that when we go through this process, we actually explore these ideas, we can see very clearly that there is nothing within the human experience that is actually here to block us from connecting to the divine. When we explore it deep enough, it is actually forming the bridge to help us recognize our inherent divinity. And so coming back to the parental wounds, part of the work that I've been involved in in my own personal journey and what I walk people through is learning how to mother and father themselves. So when we don't receive the type of nurturing, the type of guidance, and the type of uh, love and acceptance that our parents are essentially responsible for providing us in our early childhood um, and throughout our development, what happens is we do not receive proper fathering or proper mothering. And so the lack thereof not only creates this emotional injury, but it actually sets a blueprint for our relationship to ourselves and others. So the way I mother myself then is a direct reflection of the way that my mother mothered me. And the way that I guide, protect, and stand up for myself or uh, father myself is a direct reflection of the presence or the lack thereof within my father and the love he gave me. So this is a part of the whole process. And sometimes we want to look at these wounds and say, if only this didn't happen, I would have been better off. Things should have been different. I wish this didn't happen. But I want us to challenge that idea. Because why are you here? If you didn't have the experiences you had with your parents, then what would you be learning from? Where would your awakening emerge from? What would be the purpose of your incarnation? Do we not need these lessons in order to understand where our work lies? Even a child that is born with what we would consider perfect parents, right? That child still comes out with lessons. That child still comes out with, oh my God, my parents were too perfect. I'm so upset. I wish they had more dysfunctions. I wish I had parents that were yelling at me sometimes. I wish I'd had parents that were not always emotionally available. Like even a child that is given so much freedom walks away from their childhood and is like, damn, I wish I had more structure. 
even the child that has plenty of structure, plenty of guidance, walks away from their childhood saying, I wish I had more fucking freedom. So what are we recognizing here? We're recognizing that despite the perfection of our experience or the lack thereof, there must be a lesson. There must be something for me to work on. That is why I'm here. And so these experiences that we have with our parents are essentially just the basic materials, right? If you paint or you understand alchemy or you understand uh, how to put things together in terms of construction or engineering, you understand that you are going to be given basic materials. So in painting, you have the red, you have the blue, you have the yellow, right? And from this, you can conceive and create a whole palette of beautiful hues and colors. But you are given the basics, right? And so is the same with engineering. If I'm putting a car together, it just doesn't turn into a Ferrari. I'm given wheels, nails, bolts, the basics. And then I have to, through vision, through wisdom, through my intuition, through my relationship with my creativity and imagination, I conceive of a Ferrari or a beautiful car, but I use the basic materials that I'm given. So this is the same in our own human experiences that we take what we're given and we're responsible for creating magic out of that. And so that is our parental wounds. Whether we like it or not, despite the pain and the grief that we have to overcome, we have to feel and surrender ourselves to, there's a beautiful, beautiful hidden gift within them. And this is the initiation that I'm discussing here. And so if you follow this work and you go deep enough, what you find is that as you learn to unconditionally love yourself now in the ways that your parents couldn't, right? Because this is the premise of the work, is that where my parents couldn't love me, couldn't accept me, couldn't guide me, or couldn't provide me safety, becomes where I know I need to love and accept and guide myself, right? That's how it works. It is only through the absence of unconditional love, the lack thereof within what my parents gave me, becomes the template for how I need to not only love myself, but the love that I can give others. Because I understand on an intimate level how that impacted me, how the lack of that wounded, hurt, and brought so much suffering to my life. So you see, it is through our own suffering that we can actually understand the suffering of others. And so now we're adults and we have gone through many, many experiences, many painful experiences, right? What we are now capable of, if we actually start to dig into the work, right? And this means actually addressing these wounds, surrendering to our grief, expanding our capacity to feel the full range of our emotions. Through this, we actually start to notice that there is a parallel. That the love that we are giving ourselves is also the love that our parents didn't receive. And because they didn't receive that, they also couldn't give it to us. And if you explore that idea deep enough, not on an intellectual scale, but actually really feel the depths of that knowing, 
you'll find that the ones that hurt you, that abused you, that you felt wronged or betrayed or abandoned by, was your parents' inner children. Their inner teen that was neglected by their mother or father. And so if you sit within that knowing long enough, you'll find this sphere of abandoned inner children. And these abandoned inner children not include your not only include your own, but you'll find your mother's there, you'll find your father's there, you'll find your father's father's there, and so on and so on and so on. Each of them yearning for unconditional love, each of them yearning for acceptance, crying out for guidance, crying out to be seen and understood. So this is that point where you actually pass through from the personal into the ancestral, what people would call the generational. But this is where you pass through that gate, is you actually see that your inner children are part of a larger group of inner children that have essentially been abandoned, disowned, or what I call orphaned. And for some reason, us as the children of our parents have essentially taken on these children. We've signed up to provide them the love, the care, the attention, the understanding that they were deprived of. And so pouring into ourselves, we have to understand that we are not a single entity. Osho says that man is not an entity, but a bridge. So if you keep seeing yourself as a single entity, you won't understand and recognize that how the love you are pouring into yourself is not just going to you, is not just filling you up. It is actually being channeled into the hearts of your mother, of your mother's mother, of your father's fathers. And this is clearing something within your ancestral lineage. This is purifying something within your ancestral lineage. And it is simply through loving yourself. Because whether you know it or not, you're entirely connected to these individuals. Whether they pass on, whether they're in your life, whether their ego structure likes you or not. You are all completely engaged and always communicating with each other, whether you know it or not. Communication is always present. I'm always communicating with my mom, whether I know it or not. Because we not only belong to the same ancestral pool, but we also share a mind. So my psyche, right? My mom makes up a part of my psyche and so does my father. And this, we know this by how our limiting beliefs around love, around life, around finances are also the same limiting beliefs that our parents carried. And we can also see this within our strengths. If there's something about you that is really, really powerful or tremendous or brilliant, right? You can also see that gift within one of your parents or maybe one of your ancestors. How? It's because there's a genetic transmission that takes place. And this genetic transmission not only passes on the trauma, right? but it also passes on the gifts. It also passes on the strengths. It also passes on the lessons learned, right? And so our ability to be present with that is also depending on our ability to actually be present in the relationship with ourselves. So at every different tier, we're expanding our capacity 
to experience more life, to take in more of life. And this is what intimacy is all about. That's why these are spheres of intimacy, because they're into me that I am seeing. It is into myself that I am seeing. Through the love of my ancestors and my love for them, I am seeing into myself. I am seeing into my true nature. So we dig in a little deeper. You actually learn how to work with the ancestral layer that we're talking about here. And you actually open a line of communication where you are not only present for what's happening within your relationship with yourself, you can actually tune into the energetic imprints that are left over by certain ancestors. So I give this as an example of if my, for example, my father uh, left me and my family, right? He had a really, really tough relationship with commitment and responsibility. And so my work then is to have a deep relationship with commitment and responsibility. And early on in my teens, I also started to embody his self-sabotaging tendencies, right? And so this is what it means to work with the ancestral pieces that we recognize that the things that we're struggling with right? On some level, one of our parents also struggled with. So not only rewriting that story, rewriting that pattern, we're also liberating ourselves from the imprint of that on our authenticity. Because what I'm saying is this is essentially your psyche being possessed by one of your parents, and if you don't actually recognize that it is their struggles, their challenges, their beliefs that are essentially overtaking your capacity to be authentic, to show up, to be committed, to be honest, or to be integral, you're going to think it's yours to work with. And there's a difference between what I have to work with and what I'm here to let go of. So there's so much that we're carrying on behalf of others. This is what I'm saying. The ancestral is really, really dense. There is so much that we carry on behalf of our family out of loyalty. It is unconscious loyalty. And we don't recognize it, but it is essentially like being around somebody that is upset, that is angry, and is feeling really, really bad about life and what's going on in their life. And you walk out of that room starting to internalize that state of being, even though everything in your life is actually going well. This is what happens when we don't actually have the discernment to recognize what are the patterns that I'm picking up that I've internalized, that I've actually carried on out of loyalty to my parents? And so I share this because this has been evident not only in my own journey, but also clients that I've worked with. A lot of the women that I've worked with, we always hit this point. It's usually after the third session is really, really uh, predictable at this point. But as we dig in and as they start to reclaim their authenticity, right, their authentic expression of womanhood, of motherhood, of uh, just who they truly are, of their gifts and their feminine expression, what they find is that they feel guilty. They feel some sense of shame over wanting to step into this embodied version of themselves rather than remaining in the one that they're in. And the reason that they feel that way, we often realize, is that because they feel like they're going to be betraying their mother, 
for embodying this level of femininity. Because this expression of femininity is essentially bringing their mother, right, into a place of confrontation where what I'm embodying is different from what you embodied. How I treat myself is different from how you treated me. This is triggering to the mother. And some people experience this type of confrontation directly. But for most, it is actually indirect. It is happening through the ancestral plane. So there is a communication. Like I said, you are always in communication with your mother. You are always in communication with your father. So if you're embodying a higher expression, a more profound embodied expression of motherhood or of womanhood or of fatherhood or of manhood, you are challenging your parents. You are challenging them. It is a point of confrontation because you are saying that is the old and I'm creating the new. But if you understand how tribes work, it is actually a form of betrayal to look at the tribe and say, what you guys going on is whack. It's not embodied, right? It's destructive. It's dysfunctional. We need to do something else. And I'm going to venture out and find out what that new thing is. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to rebuild this whole thing out. The family, the tribe is like, bro, who the fuck are you? Who do you think you are? Right? This is usually what your parents will actually say to you. Who do you think you are? I raised you. I brought you into this world. Right? And so this is the same tactics that are used within tribes. Oftentimes, most of these individuals are actually killed. People that try to bring in something new to try to establish a new order, essentially, are often killed, are often seen as traitors. Right? And so we experience that biologically we experience that in our own bodies when we're approaching new layers of ourselves and knowing that these new layers of ourselves are actually going to trigger our parents because we're embodying something that they were incapable of embodying within themselves and so we often then run away we run away from our own transformation out of unconscious loyalty. We are still loyal to our parents. And how we remain loyal is present within the partners we choose. I'm going to choose women that look just like my mother, that feel just like my mother. Why? Because if I choose a woman that embodies a level of love, compassion, acceptance that my mother couldn't give me, I'm saying that this love is better than what she gave me. And so this is how women also continuously attract men that feel like their fathers. They're loyal to their fathers. This is why some women that have these perfect quote-unquote fathers, they always compare the men that they date to their fathers. They don't allow the men that they're dating to actually be the man that they want to be that they need to become. The woman tries to fit the man into the mold of who her father was, right? And so this is an expression of unconscious loyalty to be loved by somebody that embodies something very new, very different, maybe even more healthier than what I was given is a point of confrontation with my parents. So we are really unpacking the effect of this on our personal. But when we're dealing with this piece where we're understanding that, wait, I'm actually ready to embrace this type of transformation, we need to understand that this is what's going to happen when you start to feel that resistance. This is at the base of your resistance. So 
Fast forward, you move through that resistance, you actually step into this embodiment. And I'm going to share one thing that's going to be important for you to actually step into this, because what you're doing is letting go, right? You have to let go of the old models, the old model of love, of communication, of parenting, of fatherhood, and of motherhood, of manhood, and of womanhood. You have to let those old models go. So the model that you were designed to not only create, but to bring into the world and into your family unit can actually be more clear to you. And you can actually participate in that. In order for you to actually step into that, you have to let go. But we can only let go once we feel fully supported. When you let go, it is because you feel fully supported. So how do we create that support in our lives? One, make sure that you have established a baseline of safety within the relationship with yourself. Right? Great. The next is going to be making sure that you have some kind of guide. Most people think that you can do all of this shit on your own. I do not advise to do all of this on your own. This is an extensive process. Make sure you have a guide. That guide can be a therapist. That guide can be a coach. That guide can be a mentor. That guide can be a psychotherapist. Whatever that guide is, it is somebody that has gone through the phase that you are in and has made it on the other side. The guide isn't perfect. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for someone that has gone beyond the point that we're at now. That is simply the only requirement for a guide is that they can actually look towards your experience knows the ins and outs of it because they've actually been through it right so if i need a business coach i'm not i don't need somebody that's skilled to a million dollars i just need somebody that's skilled beyond the point that i'm at that's it i don't need somebody that's skilled to a billion or a trillion i just need i don't need a warren buffett i just need somebody that's gone beyond the point that i'm at right so just so you understand the kind of the requirements for a guide. And then from there, the next thing that's going to be really important is making sure you have a supportive community. Have a community that fosters your authentic expression and embodiment. This community can be digital. This community can be in person. This community can be uh, a kind of like a membership thing that you signed up for, whether it's a men's group, uh, whether if it's a program that you signed up for where you meet twice a month, or this is a sisterhood in your life, a group of women that you feel really connected with, or this is a brotherhood in your life, a group of men that you feel that are like-minded and are on a similar healing journey to you. When you have these things established, you have more capacity to let go. The absence of either of these limits and constricts your capacity to let go. To let go of the old models, to let go of the old stories, to let go of your attachments. Not having these limits that capacity. Having each of these accelerates your capacity. So moving on once you've pierced through that again this is a continual process this is never stops <laughs> once you've pierced through that you have expanded your capacity to engage with life when you are engaging with life you can bring more of others into your understanding of yourself 
So what I mean by that is I can take in more of other people's experience. This is deep wisdom. This is deep embodiment. This is a very deep sign of growth. And I just want to share the contrast of it so you recognize it. When I'm, when my capacity is small and I'm deeply wounded, right? I am essentially internally claustrophobic. So this means any other perspectives outside of my own make me feel like I'm suffocating. And therefore, I am reactive. I am avoidant. I am uh, upset. I'm dysregulated. Because the perspectives of others or the experience of others makes me feel suffocated, right? This is internal, just being internally claustrophobic, right? So this is present within, let's say, a person that is very, let's say, um, uh, you know, they have really strong political views, right? And these political views are either left-wing, right-wing, um, or, you know, they're a liberal or whatever it is. This individual often, when approached with different perspectives, right, reacts harshly because they cannot encompass perspectives that do not reinforce their own belief system. So this is what it means to be internally claustrophobic. Anything outside of my worldview shatters my worldview. So I can't actually embrace that. I can't take it in. I can't respect it either. And I can't listen to it. Right? This is why we know wisdom by our capacity to hold contradicting truths all at once. This is wisdom. And that wisdom is reflective of our capacity to take in more of life. So when this capacity is there, somebody that is either, let's say I'm a liberal, right? For example, I can take in perspectives from the right wing. I can take in perspectives from the left wing. I can take in people that are conspiracy theorists. I can take in people that are a part of a worldview that I share. I can take in values that are different from my own. This is actually the expansive expression of somebody that has learned to embrace more of life because they're not attached to their ideals. They actually seek truth. People that are truth seekers are not attached to their ideals. They're in search of truth. And so when you're in search of truth, you want to be liberated from what is false. You're not looking to cling to something. You are actually looking to free yourself from what you are already clinging to. This is what a truth seeker is. So, in this, we can see that coming back to the parental wounds, when we go through each tier, you see that I not only can now take in the personal, but I can take in also my parents' experience, right? Oh my God, they were also suffering. And I can hold that without actually abandoning myself, right? I don't actually lose compassion for myself. I'm actually embodied as I'm taking in that. And now I expand even further out. Now I'm taking in this, the, the cultural and the collective. And I'm like, wait, all of these things that are happening to me in my personal experience and with my family, oh my God, I had a close friend that also is struggling with the same thing. I have a, you know, a cousin. I have a coworker. I have that boss I really hate. And I can recognize that the things that I'm working on inside of myself, the suffering that I experience, wait, this person has also been struggling with that. And here they are 
with their own coping mechanisms, with their own survival strategies, trying to avoid and move through that. Wow. And we start to take in more and more and more of life. So that means then we expand out of even what we would consider our ethnic group, right? Maybe I can expand that out and say, wow, this is what all you know, African people deal with. This is what all Asian people deal with. This is what all um, European people deal with, right? Or indigenous people deal with. I expand that even further out. And I say, wait, this suffering that I'm experiencing is also the suffering that everyone else is going through. And also, wait, this is also the suffering that the animal kingdom is experiencing as well. And so I keep expanding because I am recognizing myself in the other. I see myself in the other. This is why my suffering has been a gift to me. This is why my suffering is a gift. There's no suffering that God has allowed me to endure that hasn't been a miracle and a gift in disguise. So when I recognize that, I take in more of life. My capacity expands out again. And now I am present with the collective pain. I'm present with the collective wound. And in that, what I start to embody is what we would see as an aspect of my divinity. My capacity to hold all of these contradicting truths, seemingly contradicting truths, is in reflection of my actual divinity. It reveals my divinity. From the moments to where I have mothered myself, I have fathered myself, I have poured unconditional love into myself, was a reflection of my divinity. Because who was there but me? I was the one pouring that love into myself. I was the source of my own love. And it was the source of my own love it was my own love that saved me. It was my own love that freed me. It was my love for others. It was my love for humanity. It was my love for God. It was my love for my parents that freed me from the stories that kept me trapped, from the pain that kept me stuck. It is my love. My love has freed me. And so when we explore that, what does it mean to say my love has freed me? When we actually feel that within the depths of our experience, we have actually discovered and have engaged and been in contact with the divine. Because within that love, we cannot not see and feel the presence of what we would call God. God is what we would call essence. Essence means that which things are made up of, that which something is made of. I am made of love. Love is my essence. And when I have tuned into the essence of that, that knowing, and I experience that knowing, I am in the presence of God. Because love is the true name of God. And so this completely, completely allows me to recognize the initiation that I have been through, that I am directly in. And so initiations actually begin when you recognize and you're conscious of the fact that you're in one. That is when it actually begins. So now we have recognized this. We've recognized, wait, 
this is what I was called to be brought back to. This knowing right here and its inseparable nature from my own divinity. When I'm present with that, I understand my calling. I understand why I'm here and how this is actually preparing me for higher levels of divinity once I essentially leave this world. You see, there's different levels of divinity. Some of them we refer to as angels, guides, archangels, um, spirits, uh, jinns, uh, ascended masters. These are all different layers and different tiers of divinity. And so at each level, we're going to be essentially initiated before stepping into these different levels of divinity. And so how can I then from this point on become a spirit guide, right? Become an ascended master. If I have not learned to hold the suffering of others, if I had not learned to see myself in the other, to completely dissolve the concept of separation. Nisgardata Maharaj says that unless you know the other as yourself, you cannot truly love them. The quote is exactly that. Do not pretend that you love others as yourself unless you have realized them as one with yourself. You cannot love them. And he goes on to say, don't pretend to be what you are not. Don't refuse to be what you are. Your love for others is the result of self-knowledge, not its cause. So whether self-realization, no virtue is genuine when you know beyond all doubting that the same life flows through all that is and you are that life you will love all naturally and spontaneously. When you realize the depth and fullness of your love for yourself, you know that every living being and the entire universe are all included in your affection. But when you look at anything as separate from you, you cannot love it for you are afraid of it. Alienation causes fear and fear deepens alienation. It is a vicious cycle. Only self-realization can break it. So this beautifully, beautifully captures just what I'm attempting to describe here within this process and this initiation that I'm discussing that is actually born from our parental wounds. And in that love that we have for ourselves, that we expand into our love for others. There is a recognition of our divinity and that is an inevitable process to it. If we go through the process um, fully and we surrender and not only surrender, but we actively participate in it as well, we will inevitably find and reconnect and restore our relationship with the divine, uh, because a lot of this is also a wound with the divine, right? A lot of our parental wounds are just a manifestation of our emotional injury that we have with the divine. That has actually transpired from what we would see as a descent into the body. And when we descend into the body, there's what we would perceive as a separation or a split or a disconnect that happens. And so our disconnect, our severance from that which is divine, again, this is perceived by the ego structure that is formed as a byproduct of being in this material plane. But when that transpires, we ache and long to be near again to that which is the divine. And so this separation, out of all of this, comes these wounds, these ideas, these limiting beliefs. And so 
our relationship with the divine, with what we perceive as God, supersedes our relationships. And it is the basis, it is the foundation of our healing. So as you learn to mother yourself, you will find the presence of the Divine Mother. As you learn to tune into the loving, good Father, you will find the presence of the Holy Father. I guided a few women through this exercise during my pre previous workshop, and when they felt the presence of the good, loving Father, they were immediately encompassed and engulfed in feelings of warmth, of compassion, of unconditional love and protection, as well as provision and safety. And they were just with themselves. It was just them and them, right? I wasn't in the room with them. I wasn't, there wasn't a, a guy in the, in the room. There wasn't somebody present that was providing this sense of safety for them. It was just them. So this is what I mean like this. They unknowingly are tuning into the presence of the Holy Father that is reflected within the presence of their own hearts. I remember previously just walking uh, one of my private clients, uh, this beautiful, beautiful man that I've been privileged to work with um, through a practice. And in that practice, he was able to tune into the presence and the love of his divine feminine counterpart. And when you tune into this love, it literally, I was blessed to watch, but it cracked his heart wide open. And it was so amazing and so beautiful. And he asked me afterwards, as I was guiding him through it, he said, you know, what did you mean by this love or she is a part of me? And I asked him, who is in that room with you? Was there a woman there? Was I in that room with you? And he was like, no. It was like, this all came from inside you. You felt this from inside your own heart. Even my voice, you are hearing from inside you. And so from that recognition of it is his own love that cracked his heart wide open. And it was manifested through the channel of what he felt was the divine feminine. But it was his own love. It was his own love. And so I think it's really, really beautiful when we recognize ourselves as the source of love. That we are essentially the love that we've been seeking, craving, yearning for in the other. And the other now holds a different responsibility. The other is really a catalyst for this remembrance then, right? All of our relationships, whether we would define them as negative or positive, are all simply catalysts, are all simply servants, are all really teachers, pointing us back to this remembrance of our inherent divinity, of us as the source of the love that we seek, of us being the love that will save us. So this is where I'm going to end the episode. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you found any value from this conversation. It is something that is just really, really prevalent in my work. And it is something that I'm blessed to have recognized throughout my journey. I'm deeply privileged to support others. I never, I never tell any of my clients that this is what we're doing. I just, in the background, just try to watch this whole process unfold without um, spilling the beans. Uh, so if any of my private clients are listening, 
<laughs> I didn't mean to spill the beans, but this is this is a beautiful process, not only to be uh, a witness to, but it's also wonderful to participate within my own life um, and to watch humanity as a collective undergo. So thank you. Uh, if there's anything here that you resonated with, feel free to share with me. Um, DM me, send me a DM, share with me your takeaways. And with that, I'm going to wish you a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. And I will see you on the next one.